Thank you, Susan. That was so beautiful. And funnily enough, it reminds me of um, an experience I had this morning, which was I, I was sitting on the sofa thinking about the service and looking out of the window and just watching the snow falling so slowly and peacefully and evenly. And I loved that image and it made, it made me want to come out of my mind and to let my, the sort of freneticness and scatteredness of my mind just settle as the snow was settling. So um, I offer that image to you and let's just for a second close our eyes and use this opportunity to allow our scattered minds the cluttered parts of ourselves to just settle softly like that snow. To come into the expansiveness and gentleness and generosity of your soul, of your heart this morning. And can you find a yes to being here? Can you find a, a yes to life? and to love? Can you feel a spark of hope? Do you have a sense of that still point in the turning world within you? Or at least can you wish for it and open yourself to having that peace, to having that stillness? And so out of this spacious, wide, open, accepting place inside you, receive these words and let them resonate within you. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. From 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I have all I give all I possess to the poor and give my body to hardship that I may boast, but have not love, I am nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. 
But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Well, today I'm going to continue our series on the Collect for Purity, that prayer from the 11th century that's in the preface to the Cloud of All-Knowing, uh, that uh, the Cloud of Unknowing, that uh, Heather read that prayer earlier on today. And this is the sixth in the series. So I'm just going to recap a little bit about just in that prayer. We started with the words, Almighty God, which means ground of all being, a great memory of the universe of which we're part. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open. That great consciousness that comes into our own individual consciousness, a way of love and wisdom that we can then usher into our lives. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and to whom all desires are known and from whom no secrets are hidden. You see all that's going on in our minds, all our fears, but if we can become still and open that portal of love within us, then a wisdom can flow through us and then those fears melt away. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. Our hearts and minds are united as one, purified by that Holy Spirit that flows through us, that we may perfectly love you. May we give of our lives with no expectation of return. And today's line, and worthily magnify your holy name. And worthily magnify your holy name. Which flows with the last line, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Because as I said last week, perfect love leads us to becoming, perfect love leads us to becoming that which we're expressing. Perfect love casts out all fear, and that allows us to express the, the essence of who we are at the deepest level. Meister Eckhart, the 13th century mystic, said, Should we now say that if a person loves God, then that person becomes God? In the love a person gives, there are no two, but one in union. And in love, I am more God than myself. The prophet says, ye are gods, and all of you sons of the Most High. This sounds surprising that a person should be able, in such a way, to become God in love. Yet, it's true in the eternal truth, Eckhart says, because Jesus proves that. To worthily magnify your holy name is to amplify that which is your deepest essence, the ground of all being, the universal mind, to amplify that. We become that 
and then we magnify it. To worthily magnify your holy name. To valuably amplify the essential wholeness of the ground of all being. We amplify that love through us. Like those first words of the Magnificat spoken by Mary after she'd been told she'll give birth to Jesus. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. And that points us again to those famous words from Eckhart. What good is it to me, Eckhart says, if Mary gave birth to the Son of God 1400 years ago, if I do not give birth to the Son of God in me today. And you know, that's the essence of this, to perfectly love God and to worthily magnify his holy name is to give birth to that divine nature in our lives, just as Jesus did. His purpose was not to become a God that we worship. His purpose was to show us the potential of humanity to express the divine within. He wanted us to show how to be human beings, how to express the divine that's within us. And that's our challenge in life. To perfectly love is one thing. We can get our heads around perfectly loving and that that casting out fear and all that sort of business. But to worthily magnify your holy name is almost to become divine ourselves, to realize that divine within us. And you know, that's quite challenging in the best of times and even more challenging in the worst of times. It reminds us of those Dickens's opening lines to the Tale of Two Cities that seem, I think, so appropriate today. These are the opening lines of his novel, The Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going directly to heaven. We were all going directly the other way. In short, the period, Dickens says, was so far like the present period that some of the noisiest authorities insisted on its being received for good or for evil in the superlative degree of comparison only. That's how he starts The Tale of Two Cities. And, you know, when we all we can do is get down to the grocery store without catching our death, how are we supposed to go as far as to liken ourselves to the divine within us, to liken ourselves to God? Well, I think the first thing that I'd want to say is that our job is made a lot more difficult if we don't do the first half of that phrase. If we don't perfectly love, you know, I perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. If we don't perfectly love, it becomes a lot more difficult. It is through that love that we're able to cast away fear and have a chance of expressing ourselves at the deepest level. And that is difficult at the moment. Because we're not only dealing with our own fear, but we're dealing with the fears of others. And 
that's just as infectious as the virus. Through our meditation, through our mental discipline, we can reduce our own fear, fear of dying, fear of those around us dying, of losing our jobs and our money, of being out of contact with our friends and families and all that goes with it. We can deal with that. But then we also have to realize that we get swept along by the fears of others, the fears of those we see on the news channels, and more dangerously, the fears of those who we come into proximity with. Those fears are often expressed as blame and criticism for others, when in fact, those fears are really expressing their own vulnerability themselves, their own worries themselves. We see it in politicians expressing their fears in that way. We see it in family members, in papers, in associates, in friends, in colleagues. And the danger is we get swept along by their fears, taking them on as our own and repeating them to others as ways of dealing with the feelings that it brings up in us. To perfectly love is not to be at the effect of that, but to realize with compassion that those around us are fearful and will express that fear in different ways and that we have to be aware of getting caught up in that fear. We have to be disciplined not only with our own fear, but with the fear of others that they're trying to pass on to us. We have to be like that match that's bent forward in the line, showing that physical distances work, distancing works to stop contagion because the match is all light and then one doesn't. If we don't become part of the fear of others, we don't pass on the fear. And then it stops the fear in its tracks. Blame, conspiracy theories, wild accusations, Victim consciousness all go to wind up those around us and exacerbate the problems for everyone. So we have to stop and act out of our own love rather than our own fear. We have to be present with the fear and, let, and yet not be a part of it. We have to come from that place of love that is patient and kind. Because love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, because Love never fails. And from that place of love, we can magnify the holy name that's at the center of all things. But, but what does that mean? It means to respond to all situations and circumstances that come our way with love. Because God is love. And love is God. Love is the essence of all things, and so we join with that essence and express it. We have to watch ourselves and be aware of being present to what's going on around us, and by doing that, express what is of the highest.
We practice that in meditation, but our role in life is to express it in our day-to-day living. Not to take sides, but to take heart and to give love. I've always said that, the, you know, for me, the fundamental organizing principle of the universe is love. The Big Bang came about with love. It came about with no expectation of a return. That's, that's my de- definition of love, giving with no expectation of return. The Big Bang came with no expectation of return. And in the same way, we were all given our lives with no expectation of return. And therefore, for me, the universe is founded on love. It is the expression. Love is the expression of the universal mind, the ground of all being, the divine nature. And it says, in, as it says in our tradition, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And so our role in life is to express that love. And in doing so, we participate in the evolution of all things. When we worthily magnify your holy name, we become one with God and therefore bring God powerfully into the presence of consciousness. And by doing that, we change consciousness and have it become more loving. That is the kind of universal resurrection that I'm talking about. And you might think, you know, that this is all very idealistic and not down to earth at all. But in reality, it's what we're being asked to do moment by moment. It's only when we're aware of it and being conscious of each other as as that moment comes along that we can then fulfill the request to perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. We have to take that on in every interaction we have, Not, not dwelling on our survival, or being caught up in the drama of others, but rather responding in the present with a loving awareness. And in perfectly loving and worthily magnifying, we let go of worrying. Our emphasis is on how to respond lovingly rather than how to survive craftily. Our role is to show up as part of the divine in consciousness rather than show up as part of the mess. Do not be conformed to this world, Paul says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And that is our navigational guide. That's the sail that we put up in magnifying the holy name of God. And the result of that is that we become part of a new consciousness, a new life, a new heaven and a new earth that's coming into being, that universal resurrection, a fantastic theme at this time of Easter. No problem, Einstein said, can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it. And in worthily magnifying, we become part of that solution rather than the old problem. This crisis that we're going through at the moment When put into practice, all the knowledge that we've got, all the knowledge that we've picked up over the years, now's the time during this crisis to put this into practice. Now's the time that it will make a difference. Now is when a change really can happen. And we really are agents of that change. The planet has unplugged 
like a computer. And it is presently going through a reset mode. It's our role to make sure that the new software is downloaded and installed rather than the update failing. So next time someone comes to you blaming someone else for their problems, or you find yourself worrying unduly about how you're going to survive, or you hear some outrageous theory that demands your attention, stop and wait. Wait till your mud settles and the water is clear. As Viktor Frankl said, between stimulus and response, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is the power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. And in that space is our ability to choose love, to stop the fear in us and around us, to be the gap that doesn't let the fear pass through onto others, the space to be compassionate and to care for those around you. So through the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, may we perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Amen. Let's pray. And we just take a moment just to consider our world and everywhere locked down, stopped, unplugged. We pray for all those who are suffering through this time, those suffering with the virus, those on the front line, caring, doctors, nurses, cleaners, delivery people, grocery workers, police, everybody who's on those front lines. We pray for those who are unprotected, those in refugee camps, in war zones, in prisons, people not able to protect themselves. Pray for the homeless, the hungry, those in difficulty. Pray for those who are ill and not able to get the right medical attention because the hospitals are swamped. We pray for our leaders, pray for compassion to be in their hearts so that they may care for the humanity around them. We pray that we may respond in love to those situations. And we pray for those who particularly ask for our prayers, for Joan Downey, Connie Clancy's mother, recovering from hip surgery and a heart attack, for John from Clark's Pharmacy, recovering from a stroke, from a snowboarding accident, for Rita Hunter, suffering from Lou Gehrig's disease, from Heather Morrow, now at a safe learning centre in Denver, and continuing with physical therapy and help from her mother, Joanne Belmont. We pray for Brett McKenzie, for Kevin Bedalian suffering from Lyme disease, for Petra Krimmel suffering from cancer, for Marianne Boltz, Caroline Glay's mother who's ill, for Diane Shelton, Michael Waters' sister, undergoing chemotherapy, for Jim Stark diagnosed with stomach and esophageal cancer and starting chemotherapy, for the O'Keefe family, 
for Christopher Gavitt with an unyet identified autoimmune disease, for Frankie Black, who now has the virus and is at home recovering, for Ashley Morse, Heather Rydell's daughter, who's a doctor on the front line in an ER unit at St. Joseph's Hospital in Denver, and health co-workers, Michelle Mysack, Stacey McGarland, Lisa Vetter, Katie Rizzo, and those we've recently lost, Steve LaRosso and his family, Roberto Baramonti and his family, including pregnant daughter Melissa. Also Laura and Jay Walker and their children, Kelsey, Amelia and Gavin. And Chris Thompson, CT, now off the ventilation, but still with serious mental and physical health and homeless issues. We pray for the Fox Rumoured family still suffering from the virus and Beverly Stern in hospital suffering from the virus. Now is a time of prayer. May we open our hearts and keep them open to the suffering of others. Amen. <laughs>